Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Waynesboro at Work, a podcast where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs to learn more about the origin stories of their business, the passion they have for their work, and ways they give back to the community. I'm your host, Brooke Anderson, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Dana Pittman, the Executive Vice President of Vertex Corporation. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks, Brooke. Good to be with you. Thank you. So um, viewers may not realize this, but we're, we are here today on a snowy um, Tuesday, no, Thursday morning. Um, and so I appreciate the, t- the fact that you could come in and do the interview today. You bet. Looking forward to it. So for people that might not know, um, fill me in on what exactly Vertex does. Sure, bro. Uh, Vertex is an electronic manufacturing services company. Simply put, we build products for other companies. Uh, we service the airspace, defense, medical, and industrial markets. Uh, and uh, recently through COVID, we've done a lot with the medical uh, apparatus that supports the COVID testing. So we've been quite busy with that. But our focus is really with airspace defense and a myriad of products from missile technology, electronics that go into guided missiles, uh, to other industrial products you may use at your home, you know, uh, in your kitchen or what have you. Wow. And you're, you're Waynesboro based. And about how many employees do you have there at Vertex? We have around 160 employees now here in Waynesboro and growing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a nice uh, growth force year over year. We've been very blessed to, uh, to have a, a very vibrant industry right now we're supporting, especially in the defense area. So you do a lot of important work there at Vertex. Where did your personal passion for this industry come from? I began my career with GE in this facility that I'm in today and speaking to you from uh, in 1972. Uh, I went through their management training program and uh, back in that time, uh, manufacturing was pretty popular in the US. Uh, as we all know, over the years that uh, migrated offshore to Mexico, China, et cetera. Uh, so the, the next couple of decades, we saw that outsourcing. Um, so, but I started with GE in manufacturing and I've, I've kept that focus all my career. I did leave GE after 13 years uh, working here at the Waynesburg plant and in Charlottesville. Uh, they still have a GE footprint there as well. Uh, and I got into this contract manufacturing, this electronic manufacturing service uh, industry. And I've been there ever since. And uh, so I'm still doing manufacturing that I learned uh, back under the, the GE umbrella. Right. Okay. So, you know, the manufacturing um, career path is something that we've heard more and more. There's almost been a resurgence of um, encouragement for people to enter the manufacturing career path. So what do you think is so wonderful about that specific career path for folks? Well, you're absolutely correct. I see the resurgence of that, the resurgence of that coming back to us, which is great. I'm very happy about that. Uh, we're speaking to uh, students coming out of high school. Uh, we embrace them. Uh, recently with COVID, it's been a little difficult to get the, you know, those folks together with us, but uh, we're going to re- rekindle that relationship. We're explaining to them you know, what, uh, what manufacturing really is. I mean, sometimes th- people think of manufacturing as being messy and maybe not you know, uh, clean. And we have a very clean environment. I mean, you can actually eat off our floors here. Uh, they're very, very, very nice, uh, nice to, to work uh, under. The, uh, the fact of, of the matter is for, for a student or a college graduate uh, looking at manufacturing, all types of technology, uh, IT uh, with data, uh, you know, information, a programming of, of uh, information, 
Uh, some folks just want to use their hands and be creative. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I talked to college, college and even high school students, and many of them are saying, look, uh, do you have product that I can assemble, you know, uh, or maybe do some testing, uh, something that's, you know, repeatable. Many, many of our employees like uh, consistency, like, like to come in and they like to do a job and know what's expected and, and just continue to do that. And we need those employees. And we also need employees who, are, who want to be creative and maybe grow within the company and do various things. Uh, so we need all of those uh, skill sets. So again, when we're talking to folks, uh, uh, we actually bring them in on tours and they can see folks assembling product, uh, taking and, and building precision metal parts, uh, maybe making cables and harnesses and then show those parts going into our final systems at the end and being tested. So it's kind of neat to see it evolve, you know, uh, and, and that seems to be very uh, intriguing to, to many of the folks that see it. Hey, we, we don't know you really do this kind of stuff here. You know, we really are, you know, are excited about maybe learning more. So we have follow-up with them. Uh, sometimes we'll go one-on-one -on -one with a student we've had in on a tour later. We'll bring them back in and, and talk a little bit more about what we do, but it's, it's really exciting. And I'm very happy uh, to see the resurgence of manufacturing in the U.S. Nice. Yeah, I think that you really hit on an important point, which is that I think a lot of people have stereotypes that manufacturing equals factories, you right. know, the smokestacks with the, with the smoke coming out of the top and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but just like you mentioned, and, and as I've learned, there are a lot of different career paths, very interesting work that can be done. And yes. then with what you do specifically, I imagine there's a real sense of pride because the products that you are, are producing, you know, um, with your military and defense con contracts, for instance, um, are really uh, important. And um, can you speak a little bit to that? Well, absolutely. Uh, many of the products we manufacture uh, actually uh, affect our warfighter directly. Uh, uh, it keeps them out of harm's way. Uh, many of the missiles that we do, uh, those missiles have to hit their targets or we have collateral issues, you know, as sometimes, hopefully not often read about. But, uh, you know, basically we've gotten much better with the guidance systems that uh, control the rockets when we do get into uh, situations of war or what have you. Um, the, uh, the other things that we do, we, we've got a new thing that we actually helped invent here. Uh, it's a uh, piece of equipment that, uh, let's say that a, a one of our warfighters gets injured in the field and has a, a wound that's bleeding out pretty well. Uh, typically, they would just put some sort of a bandage around it or what have you. We now have a device that we actually developed that will cartilize the, uh, the wound and stop the bleeding in the field. So we had a, a Navy SEAL that we worked with uh, to do that uh, work, uh, who actually saw some problems in the field when he was serving and came to us to help uh, uh, design it. So yes, absolutely, we have a direct impact on the, uh, the life of, of our warfighters, and uh, we take that very seriously, as well as airspace hardware. Uh, we build uh, electronics that go in the cockpit of aircraft. They've got to work, you know, and uh, we can't have any failures. Uh, so again, about 75% of our sales are airspace and defense here in Waynesboro. Wow. Yeah. Very, very important work that you're doing. So as you mentioned, Vertex has been around for quite a while and you've expanded into a variety of industries. So tell me a little bit more about what the evolution of Vertex has been like and some of the milestones that you've reached along the way. Sure. Uh, our focus uh, has been to penetrate more and more of the airspace and defense industry, especially defense. Uh, many of your listeners might not know, but most defense articles must be made in, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. 
there's obviously reasons for that. We don't want those uh, weapons to get into the hands of uh, our, our enemies. So we keep the documentation and the IP, the intellectual property of that under what's called an ITAR regulation, uh, International Traffic and Arms Restriction in the U.S. So we have documentation and the way we communicate information to our suppliers are very, very tightly uh, held, very secure network systems we use. So obviously those customers are very sticky and they're going to be with you almost forever. You know, we deal with Northrop Grumman and, and all the big names that you would know uh, here in the Valley. So uh, the bottom line is that was something we wanted to more and more penetrate that, those markets and we've done so. Uh, again, 75% of our sales flow through those channels. Uh, adding to our vertical capability, uh, verticals mean, you know, uh, the precision machine, the cables I mentioned. Uh, we like doing things internally that control the end result of our products and, and our on-time fulfillment to our customers. So we've added uh, here in Waynesboro a lot in the way of precision equipment manufacturing capability. Uh, we're doing more and more uh, parts for the airspace industry uh, here in our shop. We used to buy that. Uh, now we make those parts. Same thing with cables and harnesses. So we've had a large infusion of uh, capital assets over the last couple of years and we'll continue to do so. Uh, and, uh, and again, you know, we're providing employment now to uh, 160 families uh, here in the Waynesboro plant. So all those things are very, very important and very important milestones uh, to what we've done here. Great. And I know that um, you are a Waynesboro native yourself. And like you said, employ many people that, that live in Waynesboro. Um, and, and, you know, you have a business here. So what makes Waynesboro such a wonderful place to do business? Well, it, it's a lovely place to do business. Of course, uh, I'll start. I was raised here, so it's been near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've lived around the country, but I've always kept a home here uh, in Waynesboro in, in the area. Uh, the, uh, the universities and college, junior college systems we have here have really helped uh, with the draw of our employees, the technical assets we need here at, at the plant. So that's been a, a big, big factor uh, for doing business here in Waynesboro. Uh, another is the uh, logistics of, of freight. Uh, we do a lot of freight, LTL freight. So uh, having uh, the ability to be on a 6481 quarter, uh, we're, I think, I don't know what percentage of the traffic flows in the U.S., but it's a bunch. <laughs> uh, being able to get the road logistics quickly and predictably uh, to our customers is very, very important. Um, and, uh, and like I say, just being able to, to have that still a small town atmosphere that we, we enjoy here in Waynesboro, but having all the services that, that you would want, you know, very place, a, a nice place to raise your family. Uh, you know, I had two kids that uh, were raised through here. They're, uh, they're in their forties now, but, uh, basically, uh, it, it was just a great, great place uh, then and, and a great place now. And uh, again, looking forward to bringing more manufacturing back into, to Waynesboro area here. As you said, there's a big sense of community in the Waynesboro area. So what are some of the ways that Vertex actually gives back to the community there in Waynesboro? You bet. So I'm personally involved uh, with the Virginia Manufacturers Association uh, with uh, trying to uh, work legislation with our state legislators uh, that would promote manufacturing here uh, in Virginia and here specifically in, in Waynesboro and the surrounding areas. 
Uh, so, you know, that's, that's near and dear to my heart to make sure that, that uh, we keep our uh, legislative uh, community honest with what they're doing and uh, control them a bit, which is sometimes hard to do. Uh, we also have just a, such a giving uh, group of folks here that work at the plant, uh, always involved with uh, community activities. Uh, recently here at the, the Christmas holiday, we're doing warm shelter projects, uh, uh, toys for tots and those kind of things. But again, we sponsor all of that, and uh, but, but our employees are, are taking the initiatives and, and giving of their time and resources to do that. So just a multitude of things we do, but uh, you know, all in all, uh, just, a, just a very good place to, to be in community with, uh, with the folks and, uh, and see the growth and the families that we, uh, that we support. Again, we support 160 families here and we take that seriously. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and this uh, day of COVID and all the other issues, we've been blessed to not have any, any issues at all here as far as uh, being able to continue operations. Uh, uh, we, we were one of those service areas that uh, could continue working since we did defense articles. We could continue working right through as, as a critical supplier. Uh, so we've been able to, to not miss a beat uh, uh, through, uh, through this past year. So it's been a real blessing for us. Well, that's really great that you guys have been able to continue your work there at Vertex, even in spite of the pandemic. I am curious, though, at the beginning of the year when, when COVID was first um, kind of announced, what was the response from Vertex, given that this was something that um, no one had previously um, encountered before? And then what was it like for you personally to be a leader during a pandemic year? That's a great question, because this has been a year not like none other that I've ever experienced in my career uh, of 40 some years now. Uh, I'll, I'll share with you, we have a facility that I also manage up in New Jersey. And uh, as you all, uh, your listeners, I'm sure are, are aware, New York and New Jersey was the epicenter, I go, what do you call it? The, the, the issue started there, at least in a, in a widespread way. So my, my general manager there uh, took the initiative, I think well before uh, the pandemic really hit and we, we knew what it was around the January timeframe, uh, to set up a series of initiatives uh, that dealt with all the things you read about today, the social distancing, we actually put plexiglass between the workstations, mask wearing, a temperature checking. We, we actually did that well ahead of anybody you know, saying that was something that we should be doing. So I have to give credit to the folks at my New Jersey plant for taking that initiative. And then we, we came off of that. We said, okay, that worked. You know, their, their caseloads were down up there. Uh, it, it really worked. So we put that in place here around, around February, I think it was. Again, in front of any of the issues we had here in the Valley. Uh, so we, uh, we did that and we've had uh, very few cases. We've had a few situations where employees away from the company have, have contracted it uh, and in quarantine, receive a positive test and come back to work. But it's really been, we've been very fortunate, but I think it's all because of that, that first effort that was put forth in, in New Jersey. And then uh, we employed that best practice here in Virginia. And uh, we've also put that, we have a Massachusetts facility also that I manage and we put it in there as well. And, and they've had virtually uh, almost no, no, uh, no activity with COVID at all. So, uh, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a rough year in that area, but uh, we, we, uh, we got in front of it and uh, we, we did all the right things. Wow, that's really, really great to hear that I'm sure being that proactive definitely um, helped, helped in a lot of ways. Um, so for you personally, as a leader and you're, you are a leader in multiple um, 
different places and multiple different states. What has it been like for you to be a leader um, in this challenging year? Well, I think uh, we, we, uh, we, 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 we pride ourselves in having a good culture, okay, within our company. And, and that's, uh, that's a milestone, I think, uh, setting the right culture and, and the tone uh, for what we're all about. No one wanted to wear masks. You know, no one wanted to do this or that. But I think, you know, getting our employees together, explaining what we had done in the New Jersey situation, and then, uh, the, then around the March timeframe, April, things started getting hot here. Little, little uh, click there. We get it. We get it. So I think communication, culture, what have you, helped us. And, and that's the tone we have across all of our plants, a very open, honest communication. Uh, you know, this has been a trying time, you know, for a lot of families. And, uh, uh, and I think just having that good, you know, broad discussion uh, and, and sharing those best practices and lessons learned, if you will, uh, has, has really got us through this. And uh, I'm very proud of our employees. Uh, they've now embraced it fully. You know, we've had really, again, no issues at all. So Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great to hear. I, I do think maybe one of the silver linings in this is in a lot of instances, um, it has helped teams at businesses kind of band together because now we have this common experience of trying to persevere under Absolutely. really tough circumstances. So it sounds like that's what's been happening there for you guys. Yeah, I look at the bright side too, uh, Brooke. I, th I think you're spot on. I think that there's something good that has come about from this. So, you know, we learned a lot about one another, you know? Yes. So one of the things I always love learning from the guests that we have on the show is what their personal philosophy is about being a business leader or an entrepreneur. So what is your best piece or pieces of advice for other people that are thinking about a leadership role or entrepreneurship? You know, I, I get that question a lot. You know, what's made your business successful? You know, what's your, you know, well, I tell you, answer your phones. Uh, if you're in a service industry, you need to answer your phones. I have three phones in my office, all separate lines. Sometimes they're all ringing, <laughs> but it's really being accessible to your customers, both, both external customers and your internal customers, your cohort groups, you know, being, being available. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what industry you're in, uh, you need to be available to those folks. Uh, number two, I think, is setting a culture in your company uh, that uh, marries up with the goals and objectives you have. You know, what do you want to be? You know, what are you trying to do both now and in the future? Uh, hiring well uh, to make sure you're hiring folks that cannot always maybe buy in. You know, we want input, but be able to, to deal and, and support those important culture issues within your company. You know, how we treat one another, respect for one another. Uh, you know, attendance, you know, uh, uh, you know, going that extra mile, meeting your customers' expectations, all of those things uh, easily set, but sometimes if they're not done correctly, can really uh, majorly impact companies. And I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if you want to be in the manufacturing sector, uh, I might just add, uh, uh, marry up with sticky customers. You know, uh, our defense customers, Again, their defense articles are, are primarily made in the U.S. Uh, by restriction, by ITAR restriction. Um, you know, try to get at least some diversity with defense products that, that you know you're going to have. You're going to do a good job for them. They're going to be around a long time as your core. And then maybe add some industrial medical products to that if you want to be in the manufacturing sector. That's the advice I, I would give. Uh, I've got some others, but I think those are the most important. <laughs> okay, well, those are great. And I, I really love the fact that... Um, you know, with all the technology and advancements that we make, 
so often when I talk with leaders like yourself and ask what advice they have, it really drills down to those fundamental things, like you said, of like, you have to answer the phone. And, um, but I love also the tactical advice of trying to identify what your sticky client might be, you know, who that might be. So that's, that's great advice. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really nice to speak with you and to learn more about what you're doing there at Vertex. Um, and uh, really, really fascinating what you're doing um, in all these different, different industries. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Great talking with you, bro. And for everyone that's tuned into this episode of Waynesboro at Work, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be coming back soon with more episodes of the podcast featuring Waynesboro business leaders and entrepreneurs. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about Waynesboro or the businesses there, please visit the websites and social media channels of Waynesboro Economic Development, Visit Waynesboro, and Grow Waynesboro. Until next time, stay safe and be well.